In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's June 29th, 2014, and you're listening to episode 92 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. I'm Maggie. And this week we are coming to you from Thunderdome. The Zombies versus Cannibals match. Because apparently somewhere out there there are a bunch of Because that's teams. the sports thing that's going yeah, on right now. That's going now, on right? right now. They're running around at this little thing that's on the field. And there's a lot of, you know, biting and flesh eating and stuff yeah, like that. That's what I saw on Twitter, so that's what I'm assuming it yeah, must that, be. Yeah, ditto. <laughs> I mean, maybe somewhere along there the the spectators will throw like slices of lemon and po- and, you know, seasoning and stuff like that. Who knows? So it's <laughs> it's cannibals versus zombies, basically. At least as far as I know. Yeah, as, as far as, as we know. It's a sports thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> Yay, team! Get the points! Do the thing! <laughs> if I'm going to watch sports, it's going to be Toronto Blue Jays baseball. <laughs> or hockey. Because they're doing pretty well. Well, hockey only every four years. Okay, that's true. When it's, Olympic, when it's Canada playing for a medal in the, in the Olympics, yes. And I watched the Winter Olympics. Yeah, the Jays are doing pretty good this year. Yes! Go Jays! I know Lily is happy. Yep. Hi, Lily. Hi, Lily! <laughs> but yes, yeah, so moving into the important things, adventures in knitting. Okay. Rochambeau, you for it? Yep. One, two, three! <laughs> you first. Okay. <laughs> we did it literally Rochambeau. Okay, so I assume this is going to be something that we both mentioned, but I am finally working on the Hobbit Long Scarf again. I am not that far in. Don't get impressed. You get you be farther than me, and... Your stitches in your tension is always so pretty. It's not that even. Look, look right there. She says, as I'm trying to find out where she's pointing. <laughs> Shut up. I am pointing right to it. I did actually manage to fix at one point. I accidentally dropped a stitch. And I did man, and it had laddered down a couple of rows, and Ooh. I did actually manage to, f- to fix it. That is impressive. Thank God. That is impressive for double knitting. Yeah. And you did put in the stitch markers. Yeah, I put in the stitch markers every ten stitches. So everywhere on the pattern where there's a thicker... Line. Grid line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's the small grid lines, and then there's a larger grid line, like every 10 stitches and 10 rows. So I am actually on row, fi- about to start row 52, which is the row below the party tree. It feels so good. It f- has that nice cloth feel to it. Yeah, it does feel nice. Do and it is kind of, it is nice now that there's more of a picture on yeah. it. Yeah. Still kind of thinking, like, if I do this again, not this particular pattern. You might do the Gallifrey one? Yeah, I'll do the, the name of the doctor one. Um, I might do that with fingering weight, but I will buy you a pretty so white. Far it's okay. I will buy you a pretty white jacket with extra long sleeves. <laughs> the sleeves that wrap around so you hug yourself. Yes, <laughs> and lots of chocolates with extra special centers. <laughs> extra special Valium centers. Yes. Valium. Sort of like sort of like the way you feed cats medicine. Yes. Valium or vodka, one of the two. Okay. And I've been mostly I have actually been working on that I have actually been working this a little on this a little bit on the bus this week. Wow, I'm impressed. But it takes like a good fifteen minutes for me to do a row, pretty much. Yeah. Especially depending on the row. So it's the only thing it's only when I'm like on the bus and I know, okay, this is a half hour trip from downtown to home or whatever. Then I can get it out. I don't even bother when I know I'm not going that far. But I have been working a little bit on other stuff, not so much in the last couple days, but in the last week or two. So I'm still working on the Smucks of Love socks. Oh yeah, and Revel reminded me today is Pride Weekend in Toronto. It's the end of World Pride Week in Toronto. So if anybody's at the Pride Festival, have fun! Yeah, this is these are the Smocks of Love socks by Megan Schmaltz. 
And I'm doing them in Koigu. I can't remember what the color number was, but it's sort of a grayish green with little spots of different shades of green and white. This and is what colors. Colson would wear if he wanted to be adventurous? Maybe. <laughs> I see him more as like a blue, gray sort of guy, though. He often wears blue ties. I know. They bring up his eyes so lovely. Oh, dear. <laughs> so I was yeah, so, tangent. So I have finished the heel on one of them. I really need to wind the yarn for the other sock and get started on that, so I'm not like finishing the one and then starting the other, because that's not just, just not the way I do things. But I will probably do that after I finish the, I think it's the Twisted Vine socks that I'm doing out of More Sensational Knitted Socks by Charlene Church. And this is with the Another Crafty Girl uh, Companion Cube yarn. It's gray and different sort of shades of gray and slightly different shades of pink. And that one, I am at the cuff on one of them. Going up. Yeah, going toe up. And the other one, I think I've only got like half a repeat before the cuff. So these are almost done. I should probably take them with me tomorrow when I go into Toronto for the day and do a little bit on them. Though, maybe not, because I do still kind of need the... Well, I can do the cuff on one of them. I do still kind of need the pattern for those, but... So I wouldn't really be able to do them on the subway or on the streetcar... And on my way into Toronto, I was thinking of working on the Hobbit Along Shawl, because that would give me like a good chunk of time, hour and a half yeah, to work on them. Now, one thing I forgot to mention, I haven't worked on it for like a week or two, but one thing I forgot to mention last time is I have started working on the Passion Flowers Shawl, and I'm doing it in Zilana Kiwi, which is 40% New Zealand Merino, 30% organic cotton, and 30% possum. <laughs> yeah, New Zealand possum. They are... They're different from Canadian possums. As far as I know, they have a longer fiber length, and they are also an invasive species. But And this is in the lilac colorway. That is, that's, so that's a nice, pretty, pretty lilac. Yeah, and this is just the, the first part of it. And I should mention both this, both the, the yarn and the pattern were a present from Oilda. Hi! I think from my birthday a couple years ago, so... I was like, you know, I should really get around to making that. Especially because it's very pretty. And Miss Karen's birthday is coming up this Thursday. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be working. It's going to be nice. It's also going to be knit night. Yeah. I'm going to need it. (laughs) (laughs) Because you've got the Night Vale show the night before, right? Yes. I've got the Night Vale show the night before in Toronto. I'm going to be getting back. I should... If the person I talked to who's been to one of the live shows before was right about how long they are, and I can get to the bus. I should get back into town, and if the bus is not late, I should get the bus in, back into town at like 10.30, get the bus home at 10.45, get home 11.15, which isn't too bad. Okay. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be going to bed before then. <laughs> but, and then the next day is going to be, I'm going to be working at the Tiny Branch, which is only open Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, but that means it will have been closed on Tuesday because it's Canada Day. Happy Canada Day, everybody. But that also means it won't have been open since Saturday. And so I've done that before, and it's bonkers. Yeah. So yeah, by the time we get to burgers and knit night, I'm going to be like, me. <laughs> I need all the red meat, and I need time to sit and knit. So that's the passion, passion flower shop. That is pretty. So you're so going from the neck back of the yeah, neck. Yeah, it starts at the, the, the back of the neck. And then what it does is there are sort of three little wedges that you do with a little decorative lace sort of border on each of them. You get to a point where it looks like you do like a little textured sort of stitch, and then below that is this huge, lovely lace pattern, which is very open and airy and lots of negative space, which I tend to love. Yes, that's pretty. I like in my nice patterns. So it is going to be gorgeous in this yarn. The yarn's really neat. It's because it's got the cotton in it and stuff, it's 
you know, kind of nice and dense. And I think even though the cotton that's only 30% and the merino is 40%, I think that much cotton is still helping it. Like looking at it, it doesn't really look like it needs that much of a blocking so far, at least. Mm. Probably when I get to the lacy stuff, yeah, it will, but at least so far it's not looking like it really needs the, it's not looking like cat yak. Which most, like it usually does. Most wool lace will. Yeah, that's similar to your color, isn't it? Yeah, that might be the, I think Awilda said she'd done this pattern in this yarn before. So is that you? Other than, one more thing, I have been doing a little spinning, which I already showed Maggie, but I think this is finer than what we need for the sheep to shawl competition that we'll be doing, but I'm definitely getting better at doing long draw, and it's much more consistent than some of the yarns I've spun before. <laughs> and it's really pretty. It's some, it's stuff I got at the Fiber Garden. I forget if... I think the last episode we had been talking about yes, going. Yes, we talked we about We did it. end up going to the Fiber Garden. And I got a whole bunch of little bags, like 50 gram bags of all these different breeds. I think this one is North Country... Cheviot? C-H-E-V-I-O-T. And it's, it's not a super, super soft yarn. But that makes it nice for spinning. It's got some grab and stuff and good for doing long draw. So I'm sort of getting used to it. And, and I figured if I got a whole bunch of little bags of different kinds, that way it would be more like when we get there. Because we don't know what breed, breed we're getting we're getting or anything like that. So that way when we, when we get there, it'll be more you're, you're, like, okay, we'll just, you know. You're prepared for whatever this Yeah, get. I'll get sort of train myself to to. Be prepared for whatever we get. Okay, so that is me. Well, what about you? I will go into the spinning as well, because I went with you. So this is my practice yarn, or my practice spinning. And what I did instead was I got a big honkin' chunk of Jacob breed, because I asked, okay, I need to practice on something that is a little bit rough and a little bit not quite as cultured or combed, mm-hmm. uh, because we are going to be getting a fleece in the grease. Yeah. So I need to practice on something that needs discipline, discipline fingers. Yeah. So. I mean, and we're going to get a fleece in the grease and we'll have a drum carter. Right. So we're going to, from that, we're going to be doing spinning roving. Um, and I think you had said, I don't forget if you had said whether you had ever spun roving as opposed to top. I don't think I have. I know you weren't really sure what the difference was. <laughs> I was not sure what the difference was. I will tell you that right now. Yes. Well, roving is the stuff that has been carded or yeah generally carded and it's fluffier the fibers the fibers are still sort of wiggly and not, wiggly wobbly timey wimey yeah and they're they're sort of generally have been carded out a bit but they're so they're not quite as tangled or whatever but you know top is then when it the stuff has been like very nicely combed right and it's you know, all the fibers are parallel and in line and, like, pointing in the same direction. Now, the uh, Jacob, you saw the Jacob that I got. Mm-hmm. That stuff has been penciled, as in it comes out yeah, as a long roving, rope. Yeah, So that is roving? That is not yeah. top? No, it's still roving. Like, you can tell the difference. I can show you later. I've okay. got some top and some roving, and I can show you the difference. You can okay. see it. Okay, if you um, can see very it. Very easily. Then, then I... If that's the case, then yes, I am spinning roving right now, yeah. and I'm working on my endurance. Yeah, there's different kinds of, there's even different kinds of roving, and there's different, you know, you can get different thicknesses of roving. Like, there's, you know, stuff that you would get off, like, a drum cart, or might, might come up in, like, a bat, or, like, a... Okay. Or, you know, come up in a bigger chunk. And then some machines that will, that do it, do pencil, pull out, you know, shoot out pencil roving, which is roving that's been shot out in a little, sort of, thin... Rope rope, but is still roving. Okay, so I've been doing that. I also 
just because they were so pretty. And uh, guys, if anybody out there, all right, collect your thoughts, use your words. For future Valentines or anniversaries or presents, record my words if you need to play this to somebody who is your significant other and they need to know this. Instead of getting flowers, do what the Fiber Garden has done and they have these little cones of roving. Mm-hmm. Of merino roving. Top, really. Of top. Okay, yeah, of top. That was top. <laughs> Sorry. But they're in such jewel-like colors. Mm-hmm. And they are such good, pretty, shiny quality that it looks like flowers. Yeah, they could, it was neat. They had them packaged in like these little, yeah, these little cellophane cones. cones like you would see that would, you know, flowers would be placed like in. Like an individual rose or yeah. a rose trio or something like yeah. that. And it's so pretty. Hey. <laughs> and the, but they did it with the top so that you could give a little bouquet. You could even give a little bouquet. And that is a bouquet that spinning any spinner would want. So if you need to record this little part and play it for the significant other that needs that kind of subtle hint. <laughs> uh, so I got myself two cones of that merino top, and the colorway was called Morgana. Mm-hmm. And I think it came up to 100 grams in yes. total, because it was two, each little cone was 50 grams of top. And the color is Ooh. a deep, God, gorgeous. deep, deep blue. Yeah, you can see I fluffed up and uh, made a mistake there, but anyway, let's move along. <laughs> it is a deep, deep, deep midnight blue and mm. purples, and just, so a, pretty. just a hint of medium tone blue. I mean, it practically shines with color. It is really gorgeous. So this is the first probably good quality stuff that I've spun recently. And with it, because yes, with 100 grams, if you spun it to the appropriate size or to the appropriate grist, you should be able to get out a pair of socks. But my fingers and my aptitude at the moment, I'm still putting out double ply worsted weight. Which okay, I'm a learning I'm a learning spinner, so I'll yeah. I'll deal. So instead, what I'm doing is I'm making the Milanese lace topper, which is a little beanie or a toque for fellow Canadians, and it only needs 110 to 120 yards of worsted weight. And I've looked at the reviews of this, and people have said it's like a perfect little in between project of bigger of bigger projects because it's it's got a very simple chart. Very easy to do, and the next thing you know, boop, you're done. And I'm like, okay, I could deal with that. Mm-hmm. So that's being done with my personal hand spun. I'm sort of going backwards to you. <laughs> so here are my socks. These are the Neldoreth. They were put up in Nitty in 2014, spring and summer issue. They're by Rich Enser. And being a Nitty a knitty pattern, they are free, but oh my god, these are pretty. These uh, The Neldoreth is a Lord of the Rings reference. The only thing I would recommend with these, and I'm, I'm calling, these are the ones I call the Tony Stark socks because I'm making them with my Knitter's DPNs. Pride Carbons mm-hmm. DPNs. Yeah. But they have a bunch of charts to accommodate for the Saxony braid that's going down both sides and then they convene and join right at the instep, the top of the foot. Mm-hmm. And this is Blue Moon Fiber Arts. I don't remember what colorway, but it's a bunch of autumn colors. Yeah, like a, a red and brown and dark, sort of darker sort of green. Those are super pretty. They are super pretty. <sighs> are those for you? Uh, they're going to have to be because if I give them away, I have a feeling I will be flayed. <laughs> and I have picked up and I have actually knit on the Hobbit Along. I did not bring it with me because one thing I... One of my things about the Hobbit Along is the de- twisting of the balls mm-hmm. and the two yarns. When I go back to the 
swirly mittens, it's gonna make it seem like a breeze. <laughs> I did not forget how to do double knitting. I did a couple of stitches, got back into it. Yes, I remember how to do this. I just actually have to sit down and pay attention. And I feel a little bit clumsy because the yarn is so fine. Because <coughs> we're doing it in lace weight. Yeah. And But no, I have picked it up and I have been knitting. Well, I haven't knit that much, but I have knit on it. I'm still, I'm at the bottom of the door, so there's nothing really to show yet. Yeah, I forgot to mention, we're both doing it in Forest Hills. Lace weight from Cascade Yarns, which is 51% silk, 49% merino. And mine is in sort of the, the medium green. Green and black. And black. And you're doing green Green and... and it was a tan color. Yeah. I didn't want to do the yellow gold, so I did something a bit more <coughs> muted. Yeah. But yeah, I went through my planner and I numbered <laughs> all the days between now and when The Hobbit comes out. So that I can. Some of the listeners are farther day. along than we are, and yeah, kudos. Yeah, that was on like the eighth chart. Oh my god! I hate you. I love you, but I hate you. Yeah. Yeah, but that way, so I can, you know, I just glance at my planner to see how many days are left. Glance, at, you know, look at how many rows I'm in. Do the math, and I sort of gives me the okay. This is how many you have to do each day until the release. Now, one other thing I did was I finally got around to blocking uh, the Madame Phelps shawl. Yes. <sighs> Yes. This is where I have to learn not to block it in heavy traffic areas. Yes. Because I did block it after the elfsling had gone to bed and everything had sort of settled down for the night. Mm -hmm. And this morning I went out and looked at it and I'm like, there are little pulls on this shawl that I don't remember being there when I was knitting this. Because I'm sure if I had a pull on the shawl, I would yeah. have wiggled it until something had worked. And the only thing I can imagine is that a certain kitte has walked over it. Yeah, or decided to, you know, sprawl on it. Sprawl on it. I have not... There isn't evidence of him using it for scratching. Yeah. There's no... It would be in much rougher shape. Yeah, but it's more like just walking across the, you know, the claws yeah. snag. Yeah. So there, there are only two places I can see where I, where I have to address something. And one is just a little bit of fluff that I could probably just spit spin, you know, just to smooth mm. it out a bit. There's one place where I'm like, is that a drop stitch? That can't be a drop stitch. I didn't have a drop stitch. Is that a pulled stitch? I don't know what it is. I will fix it when it's off. Mm -hmm. Care what I have to do. I am not giving up on this shawl. So when I get around to blocking the colonel, that sounds like I'm blocking a soldier. Never mind. So when I get around to blocking the red lace scarf that I finished, I'm going to have to find a less traffic area. Yeah. Wherever that is. A place where Kitty will not wander. Yes. Does Is Kitty allowed in your basement? Yes. Okay. But there are places blocked off in the basement, so I might go there. Yeah, because I block, usually block in the basement. Yes. My is not usually allowed down there. See, I might do it in the Elfling's playroom because Kitty doesn't go up there unless we're up there. Okay. That sounds like an option. Okay, so that's us. Okay, so moving into Geek Squee? Yes. Yeah, so Twitter was kind of exploding this morning because, oh my god, Martin Freeman said there was going to be a Sherlock Christmas episode! Uh, what people didn't actually, you know, do before retweeting this was actually look at the article where Martin Freeman apparently says something about there will be a Sherlock Christmas episode for Christmas 2015. You big hobbity tease, you. Yeah. And, I mean, considering that last I heard they said that, you know, we'd probably be getting more Sherlock around the same time of year. Yeah. That... We got the last Sherlock and the Sherlock before that, and it was probably going to be like another two years. That pretty much puts it at January 2016. So 
we'll get the Christmas episode or get the Christmas little Christmas bonus thing, like we kind of did this year. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be, but then we'll probably get new Sherlock. Maybe get new Sherlock in January or whatever. So yeah, so still Jeez. have to wait. So everybody, you can put your panties back on. Yes. We have to wait. Speaking of gigantic teases, too, because this was a gigantic tease. Which one was that? So, <laughs> in the last week... If you want to talk about worlds combining, there's Westeros and England. Yes. And they kind of sort of combined, but not enough for anyone's taste, in the last week or two, when Queen Elizabeth II visited the set of Game of Thrones, there is pictures of her standing next to the Iron Throne yep. and looking at it, but she did not actually sit in it. No! I mean, seriously, how awesome would that shot have been? That would have been, that would have gone, exploded through Tumblr, no doubt. Yes. Actors lined up in the throne room to meet the monarch. Those would be the, I'm gonna recite the character names because they rolled off my tongue easier than Sansa Stark, Arya Stark, Jon Snow, Lord Varys, Cersei Lannister, and Ygritte. She was accompanied by Prince Philip. <laughs> she kept com- commenting on how uncomfortable the throne looked. Yeah, one of them was telling the Belfast Telegraph. We're looking at an article on CNET about it. But she was given a souvenir. It was a miniature version of the Iron Throne. Uh, to take home to her real palace, but uh, sources say it's too small for the corgis. Too bad. Uh, too bad, because that would have been a good Tumblr image, too. Yeah. The first thing I saw of it was someone on Twitter who say, who basically posted the picture with the the caption, Oh my god, just sit on it, just sit on it, just sit on it, just sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> like the sort of thing where you're looking at her, like, willing her to do it. And actually, the CNN article, too, has a video. Yeah, it has a video from Sky News. That's posted on YouTube. So you can actually watch the entire visit on there. Maybe if they put like a nice little plush cushion on it or something like that. <laughs> a little royal cushion. Or maybe if you know, there was a corgi on either side. Yes. Oh, God, that would have been... A- Daenerys has the dragons and she has the corgis. <laughs> yes. Mother of corgis. Okay, anyways. So other big geek news that came out in this last week... We finally have a release date for season Doctor Who season eight. For anybody who might be counting the days. Eee! Did you see? I think there were photos leaked of him with a, a mini tum, a mini TARDIS. Yeah, it looks like that? Well, it looks like the photos I saw. It looks like they arrive somewhere and something happens and they have to try climbing out of this TARDIS, which at least on the outside has shrunk itself. Yes. Because I saw pictures of Clara and Twelve looking like they were trying to climb out of it. Um, but yes, so the new season of Doctor Who is going to be coming out on August 23rd. So not that long from now. Ooh, they're doing the Doctor Who World Tour, which I think I've looked at before and there's no Canadian dates or anything. Boo. Um, they're going to be in New York. On Thursday, August 14th. But yes, it's actually kind of perfect, really, because I think that weekend is Fan Expo weekend. And Fan Expo just recently announced that Matt Smith was going to be joining the celebrity guests. And Miss Karen exploded. Yes. And... Yep, right there. They they said that... uh, Actually, no, it's the weekend before Fan Expo. Fan Expo is August 28th to 31st. So yeah, the weekend the season 8 of Doctor Who will come out and Matt Smith will be... At Fan Expo the next weekend, Way and cool. they said that he. They even said on the Twitter that he might have some friends joining. <laughs> him. And Matt Smith will be joining other people. Like they've got Ray Park. <laughs> they've got here. Let's get up to some of them. Stanley. Yeah, Stanley's going to be there as usual. Patrick Stewart's going to be there. Bruce Campbell's going to be there as usual. 
Nathan um, Fillion. Nathan Fillion's going to be there. William Shatner's going to be there. Elijah Wood's going to be there. Adam West is going to be there. Ian Somerhalder. Edward James Olmos. Yeah, someone pointed out that they've got two captains of the Enterprise, the captain of Serenity, the captain of Battlestar Galactica, and the Doctor all coming to the same event. Something has to explode, basically. They're still announcing guests. There's a tiny little part of me that holds out hope. <laughs> Though I know they're going to be filming by then, so. Yeah. Actually, they should start filming anytime soon. Two guesses who I'm talking about, guys. I'm not going to say it out loud. But yes, the other nice thing about the Doctor Who release date, actually, is that this summer I'm doing a Doctor Who party for teenagers at the library. When I originally suggested it, I had sort of heard an unsourced comment that maybe kind of possibly might be in the latter half of the year, probably maybe August. And I forget if I mentioned that to the person who was deciding on the schedule. They did schedule it in August. And I was like, okay, well, that'll work, hopefully. Hopefully it won't be too far from when they actually premiere it. And then a few weeks ago, they announced that they were premiering it in August sometime. It's like, oh, well, even if that's, even if they premiere it on like the 2nd of August, that'll still sort of work. You know, we'll get a couple weeks in, maybe I'll be able to, you know, do something special for the new doctor or something. And then they announced the actual date. (laughs) The 23rd. My program is Wednesday, August 20th. So three (laughs) days beforehand. Best accidental scheduling ever. This is going to be hilarious. Speaking of captains, by the way. Oh, yes. Nathan Fillion has been confirmed for a Guardians of the Galaxy cameo. Now, the Twitterverse and most of the fanverse was exploding not recently when they heard that he was going to get a part or a small part. Yeah. That had been an exaggeration. Yeah, I think someone, I saw a tweet with someone saying, like, I think even it was Nathan, saying, yeah, the rumors of, or no, it was James Gunn saying, the rumors of my pal Nathan Fillion playing Nova in Guardians of the Galaxy have been greatly and entirely exaggerated. Sorry, humans. But James Gunn did say, responded to a question from someone, they asked, are the rumors true that he has some part in the film? And he said, James Gunn said that Nathan Fillion has a very small, fun cameo he did as a favor to me. So we do at least get a good cameo. I totally want him to be Captain Mal. Come on. <laughs> oh my god. If they're just on some, like... Cause, well, because at the beginning, at least in the trailer, we see them as like a, at like a lineup. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what if they're walking through this, you know, galactic police station or something, and there's Captain Mal over in the corner... Arguing with some official. Yeah. Or, you know, being be awesome. being cuffed and walked in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's probably all, there's all sorts of rights things that they would have to yeah, do yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it would help that, you know, Marvel is also working with J- with Joss Whedon. So depending on who has control of the characters and, like, who owns the characters, whether it's Universal or Fox or whatever, you know, maybe having Joss Whedon working with Marvel might help. But it depends on who owns the rights for the characters. So, <laughs> who knows? But... That'll just sort of be the the ideal in my head. It could even, he could even be under like ten feet of makeup and wouldn't even know who he is. True, when he walks by. But it would be fun for him. Yeah. So anyway, as we were speaking of Doctor Who, redirecting, redirecting, redirecting. Where of course, time travel is a you know the entire linchpin of the series. Really. I don't know. Do you think that humans should be poking around time time travel? Probably not. We haven't shown ourselves to be the most moral, intelligent species. No. Considering the way we use sciences in other ways, I would not think that would be a good idea. Though, time travel is almost, I think, almost better as a thought experiment or a fiction device. Mm -hmm. It is never going to be as fun as, like, Doctor Who. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, if we ever manage to make this work. But actually, last night I was looking for just a couple other games that I can do for a, a board and card game program I'm doing this summer. Well, a couple. One of them I looked at that looked interesting was called Chrononauts. Uh-huh. Where basically it's a card game where you each get, each player gets sort of an ID and these events are laid out on cards on the table. And each person is trying to create a timeline that fits what they have on their card. So they want certain events. They win if they can make it so that it's a certain event, if they can get back to their turn. And a certain event has happened the same way it used to. But they have managed to alter, like, two other events. Okay. But then everybody else is trying to change things because, of course, when you alter, when like, when you flip one of the cards to alter it and create a time paradox, it has ripples. With other cards. Right, of course. So, like, there's one where the, say if you flipped over the Lusitania Sinks card in 1915, then you'd have to flip over the U.S. joins the First World War card. That doesn't happen, because Lusitania was part of a reason for the U.S. joining the war. Then you have to flip over this other card later, because that, you know, would have, you know, ripple effect down the the line. The other one that I found... (laughs) It looks a really amusing game. It's actually from a... Inspired by a Vlogbrothers post, which is um, John and Hank Green on YouTube. So John Green was basically trying to come up with the... You know, the whole whole thing with time travel is everyone goes back and tries to kill Hitler. Which I'm going to have found a funny thing about that, too. But that's always the joke with time travel. is like, everyone was like, let's go back and kill Hitler. But he said, you know, there's, you know, various problems with that sort of thing. And so he's like, you know, so he's wondering how to fix certain things in time travel. And someone, I forget if it's him or someone of his, I know he put it out to his li- to his viewers to suggest things. And someone suggested the creation of an evil baby orphanage. Where basically, you go back to when these horrible people were babies. And you take them out of that, you know, whatever horrible environment made them the way they were. And you put them in an evil baby orphanage where they get all, like, really good schooling. And you have lots of staff for every baby. So, And you give them lots of love and lots of toys and stuff like that. And basically turn them into good people <laughs> instead of having them grow up to be evil. There is actually a card game that has been created called the Evil Baby Orphanage. Oh God! Which is <laughs> looks hilarious. It and they eventually graduate. Do they agra- eventually graduate to the Evil League of Evil? <laughs> well, no. The point of the game is to get a certain amount of mischief points in your orphanage. Uh huh. So each person's trying to get these babies to add up to a certain number of points. And they have all sorts of op- things to help do this. They have good toys and bad toys. Each baby has certain. Things that will trigger. So, like, one, some of them are biters, some of them are bullies, and it's all based on their, you know, <laughs> later personalities. And each of those have different actions. So you can, you know, take other people's babies or, like, push someone, a baby out of someone else's organ. Some of them are creepers, where they end up moving around. It looks seriously adorable. The artwork is so adorable on it. I will have to show it to you later. Okay. But yeah, guys, look for the evil baby orphanage card game. <laughs> All I can imagine is in a supervised play area is a doctor with a clipboard and a recorder going, okay, this is Christopher's second time. Let's see if he goes for the nuclear device or the My Little Pony doll. Yeah. Well, like one of them is, um, you know, and they each, sometimes the babies have special actions too. Like one of them is, um, I can't remember the consequences, but one of the things is like, you do not want to have Kim Jong-il and the rocket ship toy. 
Oh, good God. <laughs> because that will mess things up. It's kind of, it's, it's just that little bit sick and twisted. So. So, yes. If anybody. Time has, travel. If, if anybody hasn't guessed, this is not a politically correct <laughs> podcast. Okay. Dude, seriously. Yeah, hey, I'm just covering our butts here. <laughs> okay, speaking of rockets and science and other things. NASA! Or rather, a campaign to help NASA. Yes, because NASA needs our help. Yes. I basically heard about this. I heard about this before on a podcast, I think on The Nerdist. I heard about this idea, but now it's an actual campaign. So now there's a, a nonprofit group, group called the Space Advocates who have a campaign called Penny for NASA. So right now, NASA's current budget is 0.48% of the U.S. federal budget. They're saying, imagine what we could do with a full 1%. And I think I remember hearing before that out of, like, the taxes that everyone pays, you know, one, you know, certain percent of it goes to NASA and it ends up being, like, a few pennies per person. Right. In the state. Well, what they what they want to do is really they want to get the Obama Obama administration and the U.S. Congress to increase NASA's funding from 0.48% to at least 1% of the U.S. annual budget. You know, they mentioned that NASA contributes massive amounts of technological, economical, and inspirational capital to our nation, and we want their budget to reflect their importance to our society. Because I think that was one of the things they were mentioning on Nerdist or one of the other podcasts, is that, one, there are a lot of things that NASA creates that, or has created, that has become or has been used in consumer uh, electronics and technology and stuff like right. that. It has improved life here on Earth. But, you know, they've also mentioned that, like, with the money that NASA uses to build stuff, they don't just have their own team of 50 people that builds everything. They go to various companies, and various companies build parts. So it is an infrastructure that helps yeah. the economy. With jobs and... Yeah, which means that those companies are hiring people for certain jobs. Like, you know, if we're looking at things like the space program, like the Apollo 11 uh, rocket and capsule and stuff, like, well, the capsule was built by one per by one company, and this part of the rocket was built by another company. This part of the rocket was built by another company. So that provides jobs. <laughs> you can actually donate via Bitcoin. Yep. That's pretty cool. Makes sense. Yeah, right now, in NASA's budget is less than half a penny on a tax dollar. So for every dollar you Americans pay in tax, less than half of a penny is going to NASA. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's crazy little. They're also urging that you write your member of Congress, urging them to fund NASA yeah. at the level that it deserves. Yeah. So the donation, I should make it clear, the donation at Penny for NASA is actually to help support the Penny for NASA campaign, which is to support lobbying to the government to increase their funding. But obviously, even if you can't or don't want to donate, you know, there's other things you can do, like contacting your Congress member. Here's a short list of the NASA spin-offs, technology that has come about because of some of the developments that NASA has researched and made. Laser angioplasty, body imaging, the Apollo era spawned what has now become some of the most widely used medical diagnostic tools, including the CT, CAT scan, and MRI, and the GPS, and we all know what the GPS is. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think any of the, anyone in the U.S. Congress is going to listen to me, because I don't live there, but... Unfortunately. I'm not a citizen. I can't vote for them, so... But we do have a lot of American listeners. Yes, we do. And they can go and shake their fists at their congressmen. Yeah. There's even a... There's a form on the site. If you go to the site along the right-hand side, there's a little sidebar at the top of which says take action or at the top of the page there's a link that says take action in red you click there and there is a form you can fill out 
to send a letter to Congress. Okay, and speaking of other technology news, recently Tesla Motors has actually made their cars and their cars' patents open source. So basically... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm wrong an awful lot. Tesla is an electric vehicle, correct? Yep. Yeah, it's created by Elon Musk, who started PayPal, remember correctly? Often used as the inspiration for the modern interpretation of Tony Stark. Yes. At this very immediate point in time, Teslas are very expensive. Yeah. One of the advantages of making the patents open source is that it helps to speed up the experimentation and research that people can exchange ideas with to help bring that cost down. Yeah. And making an electric vehicle available to a growing number of the population. Yeah. My husband is big into Linux, so he's like he's been all over this. Unfortunately when he starts talking computers, it's I sort of hear the teacher in Charlie Brown. Womp 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 Yeah, There's a lot of that. Yeah. But trust me, I would love to have an electric vehicle, especially after what I keep having to put into my car at the Canadian gas tanks. Yes. Good lord. Yeah, it says here, the article that we're we're looking at is on ZDNet.com. And they said that Tesla has approximately 250 patents, and these mostly cover cover electric car battery and related technology. So the technology and how to power the cars and move them is what's being sort of given the open source. Right. As well as the in-car computer, I suppose, that controls all that stuff. Yes. Now, I should say, too, the one thing that a couple people mentioned, like Daniel Ravitcher who's the executive director of the Public Patent Foundation, um, which is a patent reform organization, um, while plotting the mood also, move also is curious what exactly the licensing terms are for the patents. Because you can open source something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's free. It's completely, totally free open. Like if you look at, even if you look at um, Creative Commons licensing, there's a number of different types of Creative Commons yeah. licenses, some of which are you're only allowed to use it in certain ways, you know, some of which, you know, it could even be like, okay, we're going to open source these patents, but, you know, who, when stuff is created from that, who owns that technology? Who owns the rights to that technology? They haven't made it clear what exactly what the licensing is. Well, I'm sure a lot of that will come out soon, because apparently there is that automotive Linux summit in Tokyo happening at the beginning of July. Okay, yeah, and that's... So this is probably going to be watched, and we're going to probably get more developments out of this. Yeah, there's a, a free, a few different organizations, like the automotive grade Linux organization and a few other that are going to be at that summit. So I would assume that's where a lot of this stuff will be discussed. But we're getting closer and closer to George Jetson's car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the day that they can pack that up into a briefcase, I'll be happy. You know, and Elon Musk has said, you know, yeah, this seems odd for our company because you would think like, well, you wouldn't want your you know, that to get out there because then other people can use your patents and stuff. And he says that like his main competition isn't other electric car companies. It's the thousands, hundreds of thousands of gasoline powered cars that are being sold. So because it's going to take a major head switch for the average person to look to go out and buy an electric car as opposed to what has been done for decades which is buying your standard gasoline car. Well, I think it was not so much a, ma- a huge head switch. It's just more like a big publicity camp there for them to be able to hold a big publicity campaign of saying, hey, look at how cheap our, expen- our electric cars are now. When they can start running ads saying, this is the cost of a Ford Fiesta or whatever. You know, this is the cost of an electric car. 
look at that, they're the same. Or look at that, there's only a thousand dollars difference. Or look at that, the electric car is cheaper. You know, when they can actually do that, then more people will be. More people getting will. electric cars. Do you think? Provided to, like, what the private provided to at that point, they can also say, hey, look at this Google map we have created of all the charging stations. Yes. We have. And hey, click on your neighborhood. Look, there's one at your grocery store. There's one at your workplace. There's one at your mall. I still wonder if it's going to take more than that advertising, if it's going to take... I just still see the average person as going out and when they're going to go and buy a car, they're still going to go and look for what's been done for the past several decades. I don't know if the average person... Well, see, I think it would also... I think it would also depend on... See, I... You know, I don't think there's a lot of people like, damn, I'm going to get a gasoline-guzzling car. I think they're mostly going to be looking for... I mean, I think if they know that electric cars are... That's what I hope. ...are a possibility. I hope. You know, if they know, if someone, you know, like I said, with big advertising, tells them, hey, you can get an electric car, the same amount you can get a gasoline car, that's yep. equivalent to the, the, an electric car with the same capacity, like storage capacity, which you can get... Lifespan. Yeah, which you, you know. can get the same, you know, a good mileage on, too, for the same amount. And you never have to buy gas again. Yeah, I think most people would jump at that. A lot of Canadians would. <laughs> because... If you don't, with everything being equal, if you don't look at the electric car, an electric car, and then be like, at least be strongly interested. Yeah. If you still really want to pay for gas. You have a family member in the oil business. Because it's like, yes, I would love to pay $60 to fill my tank every so often. Yes, that's what it costs up here in Canada. Yeah. Every X amount of time. All right, so that's a bunch of serious sciencey stuff. So shifting from, I guess, electric cars, we'll go a little bit uh, left turn at Albuquerque, and we'll go into coding and computers. Google wants to pay for women to learn how to code. That's the uh, headline that we're reading here, the Mary Sue. What this is, is Google has released their diversity numbers, and they realize they're heavily white male, you know, standard, I guess, cookie cutter biscuit type <laughs> of person. So they are looking to to fix this, and they're going to incorporate more women and minorities into their workforce. But to do this, they've announced a plan. Vice President Megan Smith has announced a plan made with Code Initiative. It's a $50 million plan focused on getting school-aged girls to code, which is pretty cool. I wish yeah. I had learned. I wish I had the opportunity to have learned that when I was in school. Mind you, a lot of the coding we do now wasn't <laughs> around when I was yeah. in high school. So never mind that. The new diversity push will pay for three months of continued education in coding for women and minorities in tech. There is a link on the article if you're interested in applying. And according to CNET, 1,000 of these accounts have already been given out, and there are an unknown number of spots still available. This is really cool. Yeah, they're joining with a group called the Code School at codeschool.com for it. And I guess you get the account. They will basically pay for the account through Code School yeah. to learn to code. But that actually makes my heart feel all warm and fuzzy to for a <laughs> bunch of girls to be talking all C++ and JavaScript and Java and mm -hmm. Linux and everything else. It would probably also be helpful if... There was more of a push from Google and other places to make women feel more welcome amongst higher education in computer computers, computers or 
at businesses. I can't, you know, I don't know about Google, but I know I have heard the stories of other women who in other, you know, STEM fields where it's not even, it's not even always something very obvious or, you know, as obvious as, oh, you're a girl, you can't code. It's, you know, it's stuff like the professors, like, calling on guys to answer questions all the time, or even, like, subtle things. Or I saw a study a while ago, I think it was in, I forget it was in a specific field or just generally in a few different parts of the STEM field, where people actually did a study where they emailed professors and they used names that were coded more, you know, female, male, ones that be from coded different um, ethnicities and stuff. And they saw, basically it was the student, the emails were basically under the guise of a student contacting a professor for a possible, you know, if they could meet with them for possible, you know, research question or like possibility of using that person as an advisor or something like that. And they noticed that that professors consistently got back to the emails that were sent with names that coded more white male more than they did for women or minorities. So stuff like that has to change too. Yeah, that's true. But this will hopefully help a little bit, at least by getting, at least by getting girls and minorities interested interested in the topic first. And the option is there for free for them. Yeah. All great things are made up of smaller things. Yes. So this is one of those smaller things that I'm sure eventually will ripple out. Speaking of kick-ass girls, so there is an Olympic track star, Alicia Montano. She is eight months pregnant. She is very, very much round in the yes. front. Okay? This is this is not subtle. This is very, very much pregnant. And that didn't stop her from competing in the 800-meter race at the U.S. Outdoor Track and Field Championships in Sacramento, California on Thursday. She did, before anybody gets upset, she did consult a doctor beforehand. And the mm-hmm. doctor said that considering her background on the uh, track and field and her physical ability, yes, you are completely safe. The baby is completely safe. And she said, at that point, I had absolutely no fears. It didn't matter what anybody else said to me. I was going to run. Mm-hmm. She knew that she was not going to be vying for first place. Yeah. But she did it anyway. And one of the other things I love about her, I read from a different article. If you scroll down, you can see that she's wearing a yellow flower in her hair. Mm-hmm. That's one of her trademarks. Mm-hmm. So that she can show, yes, I am a girl and I am running. <laughs> yes. It is, running is not a soft thing. Yeah. Running is hard, it is enduring, and I am a girl and I am doing it. Yeah. So that flower in her hair is one of her trademark things. And I mean, she did finish last in her preliminary heat. You want me to tell like you how- 24 seconds behind the next slowest competitor. You want me to tell you how long it would take me but, to do to run 800 meters? Yeah, but one, most people probably can run 800 meters in that amount of time. Two, like it's still it's mainly proving the point that like, yes, she can do it, and yes, women in general can do it, considering all the bullshit over the last God knows how long, and still goes on really. Uh, people like even people who are like girls can't do that because it will somehow mess up their baby making bits bits. Like, even if they're not pregnant, they're like, some people, like, you know, even a hundred years ago, they were like, oh my god, women cannot ride bicycles, it will ruin their ability to have children. Even now, there's still idiots who say crap like that. Oh, good god. Or crap like, you know, women participating in sports, you know, basically, you know, 
interferes with their ability to have children because, of course, that's their only the only point to them. Yes, it's of course. Like, uh, okay. Blind but yeah, so this shows that, like, no, you can actually do You can actually... Sports. Girls are strong. Yes. Girls that, can do shit. Yeah, and if you... And if you, you know, get she off- says, And she says what I found out mostly was that exercising and maintaining during pregnancy is actually much better for the mom and the baby. Yep. And I mean... If you like, yeah, you should consult a doctor because there's a lot of the changes that happen to your body when you get pregnant, and there's a lot of problems that it can cause. Even if you're not, you know, doing exercising and stuff like that, or not over doing more exercise than you normally would. So obviously, yeah, you need to consult with a physician about that. But you know, just because you're pregnant does not necessarily mean you that are. You can't. Yeah, just because you're pregnant do does not mean that you're made of glass. Yeah, and it does not mean that you are an invalid. So kudos to her; she is a great example. Yay. And yeah, I didn't know, I saw the news report about this, but I didn't know she did the 800 meter, which, God. <laughs> like, imagine, okay, I, can, I sort of, I guess in my head, I imagined her doing, like, the 100 meter or 200 meter or something, something shorter, where at least it's like, sprint, 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 okay. Yeah, a short burst. But, like, something where you have to slog through 800 meters of yeah. running, God. That That is a tough race, because it's too long to be a sprint, and it's too short to be an endur- an endurance run. Yeah. Like a marathon, so she's awesome. And I mean, the whole thing with, I mean, I guess through her entire training, she has had to get, she's gradually been getting used to, you know, different center weight, of gravity, yeah, different balance and things, things like and that. stuff with her running. Can you imagine what she's going to be like right after she has a baby? She's going to be like one strong mama. Well, with all the working out she's doing, she's yeah. going to get that thing out with one push, one good push, <laughs> bam! <laughs> Abs of crazy steel. <laughs> she's gonna be the mom that everybody else hates in her playgroup because she's got her baby weight. Her baby weight is gone like a week later. Okay, so moving into cravings, covets, and crushes, we've got a few different interesting things for you. Um, one of them, which people might want to start working on <laughs> in anticipation into, of uh, in well, maybe not start working on right now, but this possibility if they want to make something special for when finally Star Wars Episode Seven comes out. There's a new there's a pattern by Cookie A called the Jedi Mind Trick socks, <laughs> and it looks like the mind tricks are the effects that are going on going up the leg of the sock. Yeah, because it looks like it looks like at a certain point, like the knitting sort of folds over on itself, which would be a mind trick. Yeah, for where each like sort of large eyelid is, like right there. Yeah, it looks like the the knitting has sort of gotten folded over and then flipped up and resumed the yeah. pattern. It's a cookie A pattern, so of course you know it's going to be kind of trippy to look at. And <laughs> I was going to say, what word are you going to use? <laughs> look at you and be like, oh my god, that looks so complicated, but it looks so awesome. I want to do this, which is. Typically cookie A. Yeah. She will give you a challenge, but the, it will be rewarded at the end of that. Yeah, it looks like it was part of her sock club in 2012. It's now available for Ravelry download for $6.50 US. Looks like there's, you know, there's 50-something projects, so you can see a lot of different examples, most of which are, it looks like, the people that were in the sock club because most of them see, appear to be in the sort of the same Yoda green. Yep, or Dagobah green. Mm-hmm. But if you're more into Marvel and you want to do something for a Marvel movie coming out, this would have been good for us <laughs> in Days of Future Past. That's playing at the drive-in, I hear. From New Girl Knits, there is Wolverine's Adamantium Socks, and I love these because basically it's a little stitch pattern. It looks like cables. But at a certain point, it looks like you slip stitches. So there's these little rows of three slip stitches that go across a cable, almost like little slashes. Adamantian claw slashes. They look <laughs> from like Wolverine's claws. A very. It looks almost like a very, very loose 
or spaced out basket weave. It's spaced out enough so where you are able to distinguish the individual slashes, and it has a very rustic and feel to it. They look really cool. They look comfy, too. <laughs> yeah. They look really neat. These ones are ones that I definitely want to do. And they're from, they were, it was just released in February 2014 because it was part of the Holiday Yarn Sock Hero Club. So when the club ended, it was made available. And those ones are, these ones are top down. I should double check. Most of cookies are top down as well, but I'll double check. Yeah, that one's top down too. But yeah, there's the detail of the little stitch. You can imagine, imagine what the, a slightly variegated will colorway will do with that yeah that, that would space, really nice. space it out really nicely yeah the one that the colorway that they have here is sort of like a a sort of tonal so there's slight variations in the color but it's all pretty much sort of the same tone or same contrast it'll look really cool in a contrasty yeah it would i might have to try that because that the, those slashes would probably pop in quite a few places yeah so far, there's no projects listed, but I really want to try this. Maybe when I finish the socks, I'm working oh, on that. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then finally, if you want something really awesome to keep your knitting in... This is from Renaissance Art. It's fine handcrafted leather books, but it also makes other things. This is a legacy leather knitting basket. Uh, it look, It's got a strap on it, so it's obviously something that can be taken around on your hip, but it's so cool. It's got... A big bucket mm-hmm. for the base. And then it looks like it's got, what would you call them, the little folds? Little, yeah, folds or little slots for what looks like knitting needle. And then holder. an extra outside pocket mm-hmm. for instructions, notions, and things like that. All very renaissance and leather-looking, but oh my gosh, save your pennies for this one. Yeah, it's $587. That's because it's all handmade. I think the, the leather's all handmade by the look of it. It says oil tanned full grain leather. And it's made to, you know, it's obviously made to last for generations. Yes. It looks like the, if there was a character on Game of Thrones that was carrying their their knitting around. Hobbit! This would totally be it. This is a <laughs> hobbit basket! <laughs> because you would totally have cookies in that extra pouch. Oh yeah. Yeah, it looks pretty amazing. You can find that at renaissance-art.com slash prod404 slash product.aspx or, you know, just go looking through their, their, you know, the different types of their... Such a pretty thing. They have laptop bags. They have moleskins. Ancient books. Sketchbooks. Yeah. Photo albums. But yeah, that's pretty awesome. And now I just imagine, again, someone from Game of Thrones walking around (laughs) with their knitting in it. Or the Game of Thrones stitching bitch. That would be way cool, and I bet a a bunch of people would be bitching about Cersei. (laughs) Okay, so shall we wrap up? All right, everybody. We hope you have a good Canada Day. We hope you have a good Fourth of July. We hope you have a good, basically, whatever good is happening this coming week for you. Yep. And the next time we podcast, too, it's probably going to be right around our third anniversary. Woohoo! <laughs> so we'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find old episodes or our show notes at our blog, knitonegeek2.emptypockets.org. That's K N I T 1. G-E-E-K-2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also find them at our Ravelry group. Just search Knit One Geek 2 in Ravelry's groups feature. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can leave a comment at the blog, comment on our Ravelry group, or you can send us an email at knitonegeek2 at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at knitonegeek2. Thanks, and keep geeking on. I'm going to tell you something while we're We've got a recording going, and if you want to, you can put it in outtakes if you want.
Okay. And this again involves the elfling. Okay. So the best thing to take care of sunburns is when yes. the entire family watches Justice League together. Yes. And there's a scene where Wonder Woman tries to stop a missile. It basically, as it grinds to a halt, it sort of like grinds her into the ground. She's covered by it. Yeah. And Batman comes down and he's doing the, <laughs> trying to get her out and everybody's like, dude, it, she's gone. Sorry. And of course, because it's the Justice League, you know, she yeah. pushes the thing off and, you know, blah, 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 fate was kind today, yada, yada. And he, she sees that Batman's hands are all covered in the debris from what he was trying to pull out, looks at him and then gives him a kiss on the cheek. Yeah. And of which case, you, of course, Batman freezes up and then turns away. My hus- <laughs> I am the darkness and the night. <laughs> My husband and I are just laughing, and what does the elfling say? Batman's getting some action. <laughs> and we sort of, like, just stopped mid-laugh, looked at him and said, What did you say? Batman's getting some action. That's what I thought you said. What the hell? <laughs> you are seven. <laughs> okay, story over. Okay. <laughs>